to your 702 Weekend Breakfast with me, Kogsim Plungum. As always, we end the show in the literature corner. And there is a new book uh, looking at the role of women in South Africa's armed struggle. It's called Guerrillas and Combative Mothers. It's written by Dr. Sipogazi Magala. And uh, it looks at, uh, it actually interviews um, women who participated in the armed struggle from 1961 to 94. She looks at where they are now. And uh, the book was reviewed for the conversation by Dr. Togo Siponga. Dr. Siponga is a lecturer in the sociology department at Rhodes University. And Dr. Togo Siponga joins us this morning. Dr. Siponga, very good morning to you. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, good morning to you, Gooks, and the rest of the seven out to land. Thank you for having me here. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, so, Doctor, tell us about gorillas and combative mothers. What does the book uh, examine? What does it look at? Does it give us insights that we don't currently have? How does it add to our knowledge of women and their role in South Africa's armed struggle? Uh, all right. Uh, the book by uh, Professor Magadla, who is in the politics department here at Rhodes, uh, looks at the role of women during the armed struggle um, against um, apartheid in South Africa. And what she does in the book uh, that I think is fantastic um, is um, she centers the role of women um, in the struggle, right, which is something we have not seen a lot in the literature about, about our armed struggle. Uh, when you look at it, uh, you would be uh, forgiven for assuming that uh, it was only the terrain of men. Uh, but she tells us that um, there were women who were involved in fighting the apartheid, um, and their stories matter, and she brings to light their narratives. So she looks at them from 1961, 1961 until 1994, like you said. She looks at the women who fought with um, um, Konto Esizwe, um, Atla, and um, women who fought, who fought with um, Amabuto um, in the township mm-hmm. and their roles in, in how they, uh, they contributed to uh, the freedom that we enjoy today. Mm. And yeah. you said for in your review for the conversation, you were saying as a sociologist that's interested in gender and sexuality, you were quite keen to read this book um, because it offered, you know, for the gendered experience of liberation struggles. Um, yeah. And you know, as someone who studies um, and, and has, you know, does research in gender and sexuality, are we improving? Are we doing any better with regards to acknowledging, uh, recording, telling the stories of women and their roles in South Africa's armed struggle? And again, not just in, for instance, MK, in, you know, uh, APLA, in Amabuto, etc. Uh, I think with work such as these ones, we are definitely improving. Uh, there's still lots to be done um, in, in, in so far as looking at the role of women. Uh, but uh, with, like, like I just said, with the work of um, uh, Professor Makadla, there is a lot of improvement because with this work in particular, we start seeing women as um, not just as passive subjects or passive reasons for war, right, which is, which is um, abound in literature. Women are seen as um, the reason men go to war, right? Men go to war to protect their women and their children. But with this book, uh, we start seeing women as um, agentic subjects, right? They, what Magala does is she 
narrates the reasons they joined the war. Um, all of them, right? Each and every one of them, she tells why this person joined the war. And all of them, uh, or most of them, they joined because they wanted to, to free the country. Uh, so I think, I think that is um, um, great improvement um, in, in, in the telling of the stories about the armed struggle. I think it's quite interesting that the, in your description um, or in your review, you say it's based on the living record and popular, uh, based on um, living record and popular discourse, it would be uh, very easy to assume that the struggle was, you know, entirely by men. And yet women oh. play this crucial role. And how does she go about um, finding this history? Because it exists. So I assume she goes, she finds it and she puts it in this book. She spots spots spotlights it how does she go and do that does she speak to you know women who would have been uh combatants um do we have records that she could have gone back to i know there was a little bit of this um in the tac uh, and their yeah. hearings what does she use as her sources to put together this book all right the the first source source which i think is a pri- not i think which is the primary source in the book she talks to the woman mm. right she talks to uh, 40 women in total. Uh, 22 of them um, came from the Mkwanto uh, Eight came from uh, what was known as Boko, um, um, then now known as, um, initially known as Boko and then became APLA. And uh, 12 of them are from the self-defense uh, units, uh, which were called Amabuto, right? Uh, I think all of the 12 came from uh, Port Elizabeth. So that's the first, that's the major source of the stories, speaking to the women about their experiences. But she also looks at, um, looks at um, the existing uh, autobiographies and interviews that have been done with women who, who were part of the armed struggle. She looks at the poems that they wrote. Um, I know uh, people like Malika Mbete, for instance, wrote um, some poetry about being part of, of the armed struggle. So those are the sources. So she does this uh, standing uh, triangulation between their voices um, as she interviews them with the existing literature that some of them produced about about their about their time. Mm. And uh, one of the other things that this book does is seem to broaden the definition of combat, and you mm. write about that in your review. Tell us about mm. that. How does the book do that, and why does it need to do that? All right. Um, this, is, this is one of the questions that Professor Magala um, um, engages within the book uh, because uh, combat is um, understood to mean physical fighting, right, in the battlefront. And most, most of the women that she interviewed did no physical fighting, mm-hmm. um, uh, even though they were involved um, in the armed struggle. And her argument is that uh, because the women did not... Um, do any physical fighting does not exclude them from um, um, combat or combative activities. And she says what they did uh, behind the scenes, right? They, facilitate, they facilitated a lot of the combat that emerged during that, that time, right? Because the government of the time had a particular image of what a guerrilla looked like, uh, of what a combat looked like. So the women could go about... Um, Facilitating, for instance, um, as an example, I'll give um, Tandy Modise. Tandy Modise could walk around in Joburg and um, and uh, blow up stores because she was not assumed to be a combat guerrilla. She was just an ordinary woman, 
And this is what a lot of the women did. They, they did a lot of facilitation. They carried bombs for the men uh, or for the, for, for the, for the army. They, um, they infiltrated soldiers back into the country because the security personnel and police of the apathy did not think that women were a threat. Mm-hmm. So she looks at how they use their femininity uh, to, uh, to facilitate a lot of combat. And she says, we should then start to broaden the definition of combat um, based on, 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 on the deeds of, of these women. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. is uh, Tandi Mudise one of the people that she, um, does she profile her or does she interview her for the book? All of the book is um, um, mainly interviews. Mm-hmm. Um, even though as you read it, you get the sense that um, she's also profiling them because um, I think it was important to, uh, to name all of them. Some of them we know, um, people like Tani Modisa, people like Malika Mbete we know, but there are a whole lot of other people that um, we don't know that she names and in so doing, I suppose, profiles. Yeah, and it also seems that she tells the story in, by, I guess, widening the definition of combat, um, tells the story of how um, women were engaged, I guess, in in military activity. So women hiding bullets in tampons mm. to bring them mm. into the country, others carrying mm. explosives in, in their purses. Tell us about some of those mm. examples that she looks at. Um, she looks at how the first one is how, um, why am I forgetting the name now? How she infiltrated uh, Mac Maharaj and uh, got um, this woman, uh, my God, I wrote about in the review. Um, not Nondre Mangala. Uh, Nondre Mangala is the one. Nondre Mangala is the one who carried um, the the bombs. Uh, she worked for uh, the New Age at the time, mm-hmm. um, and she would courier the papers um, for 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 the paper. But then was asked by uh, Governor Becky and Raymond Shaba to also courier bombs for them, right? Because she was she would not be seen as a suspect. Uh, she would just be seen as a woman doing doing her job, uh, but in doing her job, she was um, also um, facilitating all of this. That's the, that's one of the examples. The other one is um, uh, the woman who infiltrated uh, Met Maharaj back into the country, right from Swaziland, and and she gives uh, this account of um, this um, guerrilla woman who studied the border every day from morning to evening, looking at the. Um, at the movements of the personnel who were manning the border. Mm-hmm. And then she knew when exactly to infiltrate Matt Maharaj back into the country so that he would not be, he would not be caught. So it's, 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 it's um, uh, actions such as that that she asks us to uh, look at uh, broadening the definition of combat. Yeah, and that, uh, you refer to her, it's Musisi uh, Memela. Um, yes, uh, thank you. Yes. Thank you, Gug. And uh, that's yeah. such a, and you know, and, and, and of course she could observe the border because she was dressed mm. as a Swati woman. And so I guess she was taken for granted. No one thought she was a threat, whereas she was yeah. essentially doing reconnaissance work. She was observing, learning, um, and then ultimately having gained knowledge from all that time, she was then able yeah. to smuggle Mag uh, um, Maharaj and Sipu uh, and Yanda. Back, yeah, uh, yes, back, back into the country. Yeah, and this is during uh, uh, Operation Vula when they wanted to bring back leaders into the country. Uh, so women were central uh, even uh, in bringing back um, the exiled leaders into yeah. the country because, like you said, they would not be seen as a threat in any way. 
reading this book, uh, Doctor, were there things that were new to even you as someone who is a sociologist interested in, you know, gender, uh, sexuality? Were there things that even you went, oh, I, I actually didn't know that. I'm, I'm reading this for the first time uh, by reading this book. Yeah. Uh, the first thing that was new to me were the names, how, how many women... Um, were involved in, in, in the armed struggle. Mm. That was uh, completely new to me because, like I said, the literature is, is silent. Uh, the second thing um, um, that was, of course, the broadening of, of the definition of, of combat. Uh, but uh, another thing I found uh, particularly interesting was how uh, Prof. Magadla looks at using silence um, uh, as a point of departure for, for, for theory, right? Because um, she says a lot of the women said uh, that the things that happened at the time uh, were, um, she says, it was the time of that which could not pass our mouth. Mm-hmm. And she says, as scholars, we need to uh, look at, um, at, at silence and, and ways in which we can theorize from people who can't speak about certain events because they are traumatic even, even in the day. So those were, were the fantastic things uh, for me. One of the things that's always been quite a big criticism of how we look at history is one, the, I guess, the erasure, the taking for granted of women's role in our history, um, but also the experience of those women in experiencing multiple kinds of violence. So you may have been a combatant that was fighting against an oppressive state, but then there's Mm. always been, I guess, whisperings or conversations about, but often those women, in addition to fighting, you know, a military and a police state often endured sexual and physical violence in yeah. the camps from their yeah. own people who were meant to be their comrades. Um, yeah. And does the book touch on that complexity that in addition to these women being guerrillas and fighters, they were also yeah. having very gendered experience during that time. There were very specific things. I, I remember President Tabumbegi at the TRC being asked to account for sexual violence in some of the MK camps um, yeah. and being asked, uh, I remember it was at the time she wasn't a minister but um, Kalipi, I think was her name, asking, mm. asking him you know, what does the ANC say about these concerning reports coming out of your military camps that there was sexual violence. Mm. Does the book yeah also deal with that? Because I imagine that would have been the experience of a lot of the women that are profiled. Uh, that is precisely the starting point of the book, uh, right? Uh, the starting argument is that a lot of the literature that we have about armed struggles is uh, mainly about um, the rape and the sexual uh, violation of women in camps. Um, and um, she says, we don't really get to hear what... Um, other stories other than. So that's, that's, that's the first thing that she's writing against. And in chapter one, uh, she, she talks about um, how the women, um, that's when she focuses on um controversies or camps uh, in Angola and elsewhere. And she um, writes about how the women were fighting, um, training uh, to fight um, the, the government of the time, but also fighting patriarchy in the camps, right? And she looks at... Um, how the first cohort of women uh, who went into exile uh, experienced the brunt of um, patriarchal cultures. But the women who joined in, in the 1980s found the conditions significantly different because the first cohort had done work to transform 
the cultures of, of, of the camps. So that's, that's, that's another contribution that she highlights, that um, the feminist uh, strategies or feminine uh, strategies uh, that the women um, employed in these camps helped to transform the character and the, and the culture of the camps. Mm. And when they came back into the country in, in 1994, they then used the same strategies to transform the culture of um, the, the defense force when they were reintegrated into it. Yeah. And um, she, I suppose she says, we have to thank the women because of the policies about gender parity that uh, we enjoy to, uh, in this day, where as a result of, of their, of their uh, fighting. Mm. Final question, Doctor. Is the book accessible? So I know it's written by an academic. You yourself are an academic. But if I'm yeah. wanting to read it and I'm not an academic, I'm not particularly well-versed in, for instance, feminist theory, or is it accessible? It's uh, very, very accessible. And that's one of the things I enjoyed about this book. It is extremely accessible. I think anybody can pick up this book and read it and would not have to struggle with complicated uh, academic language, right? There is fantastic theorizing that she does, but she does that in a language that is accessible to everyone. So I think this is a book. This is a book for everyone. Mm. Doctor, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Cook. So it was wonderful to talk about um, a book by a rodent with another rodent. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. That's Dr. Right. Togo Sipungo, who is a lecturer in the sociology department at Rhodes University, speaking to us about gorillas and combative mothers, a book by Dr. Sipokazi Magatla.